Welcome to our Philosophy Club. This is part two of our meeting on May 21st, 2023. And in it, Akib, Ben, 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 Johnny Mac, Katie, Kira, Logan, and Mike are going to ask, is it selfish to have children? I think the original was, is it inherently selfish to have children? Um, I guess based on the conversation we had, I do agree um, that it's selfish. But I, I like that we brought up the question of whether it being selfish makes it wrong. Uh, I guess I'm actually more inclined to say that like it's not necessarily wrong just because it's selfish, but that it is selfish. Yeah, like so I can speak as someone like I definitely want to have kids. Um, and it's mostly if I if I'm being really honest with myself, it's probably mostly for selfish reasons. Um, but that said, I also want to like raise these kids hypothetical kids I want to have to be like good people and I have give them good lives. And I don't think that's necessarily selfish. Um, or, and, and I certainly don't think it's evil. Um, now like, are there negative? Like, yeah, like, I think they say having kids is like one of the biggest negative impacts you can have on the environment. So I guess that's, that's a negative. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think it's like it could be bad. I guess like if you're gonna have kids for I don't know, like the tax write off, and then you're not gonna raise them very well. Like, um, like yeah, that's that that's probably a negative. But um, but it's not. It is likely selfish. It's hard to imagine like an unselfish <laughs> reason for having kids, unless you're in some sort of like doomsday repopulate the earth scenario. <laughs> um, but like, uh, it's, it's I think it's likely selfish, but not necessarily bad. See, that's interesting yeah. to me because, like, parents of young children or, like, infants, newborns, I guess, seem like the least or, like, most selfless people there are because they have to take care of this infant thing. Like, they they put on so much work onto themselves they didn't need to do at all. And it's ultimately for this little kid who doesn't even care. He won't even remember the first few years. He won't – he can't – or he or she or they will not be grateful at all for that care that they're giving them. So it uh, actually – it's, it's like, it's weird because it's, in some ways, the conception seems selfish in a way, but the raising of a kid seems very selfless. Well, I think, I think that that action comes from the child being seen as an extension and a reflection of the self. So, like, parents are going to parent their child well because it reflects on who they are and because they assume that this child will grow up to uh, like maintain their values and maintain the things that they, uh, well, I guess just their values. So it's kind of like they're just creating another one of themselves to go on and remain in the world, ideally after themselves. So I think the fact that people wouldn't do the same labor, uh, like, I think the fact that parents are doing it for their child and not just for, like, a child, the children of the world, they're not going out and helping these uh, helpless children, is because it's inherently selfish. It's, like, it's, self it's about the self. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to say, like, if there were no orphans, would it then become, did it, would it then be less selfish to have children if all the orphans were taken care of? Um... Not necessarily. I mean, if you're well, still just doing it for an extension of the self, then it's, it, could right. it, could, it could still be an extension of the self regardless of whether or not there are orphans. So, so is, it, is, it selfish? is it selfish for me and you to have kids? Or is it selfish for everyone in the world to have kids? Wait, you guys are having kids? 
Na. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just said the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, never say never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I don't think it's selfish to have kids at all. I think it's actually the opposite. I think it's very selfless to have kids. I think having a child is such a totalizing experience that it will force you, like any of you guys, if I think if any of you had a child, just knowing you guys, some of you more than others, is that you would commit your life to raising that child. And I think that is an act of selflessness. When I think about the way my parents raised me and what they sacrificed to do it, like it was not a selfish act. Um, it was very selfless. Um, and I think people not having kids often do it because they're selfish, not because they're, they're thinking that they're selfless. I think a lot of people choose not to have kids because they don't want the commitment of having kids and they don't want to incur the costs and the responsibility. Um, largely now there are people who don't have kids for ethical reasons, which, um, based on our current population trends, like it's going to be- start becoming ethical to have kids again real soon. So I, yeah, that's my, those are my thoughts. Depends on duration loss, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I do agree. I think like, I agree with all of those things, but I guess like something that struck me actually this week is I was, I was like, I worked from home. I was like looking out the window and there was this like parade of preschoolers walking by just like chanting and like, they were like singing like, we all live in a yellow submarine just over and over <laughs> again. And then one of them just yelled, hit it right before they did it again. And I thought it was the cutest thing in the world. And I just thought like, it is still selfish, but like almost like in some ways it is like selfish in a good way of like we try to reflect on our children like the best parts of our childhood like that like I think it's like easy to watch a group of kids and think like oh my god like I remember playing on a playground and like you you dig up like the good memories that you have of like kind of just the wonder of the world and like reliving that through children's eyes I think that that's like a really good thing that we do like it is selfish because we are like trying to derive hope out of these like small beings that we are like bringing into an oftentimes hopeless world but I think that that's also like a good thing that we are like trying to do I think I I think a lot of people do at least as parents to like just try to like remember what what like the world looks like from an unjaded perspective I think a lot of ways we need that no go ahead please just vocabulary question here are we using selfish and immoral as synonyms no. no, I'm not. <laughs> Good clarification. Yeah, I think it's just like we, there's like this, obviously, like there's the inclination to believe that like selfishness is negative. But I think that that is something that like Mackenzie pointed out in the group chat too, that I, I mean, like just hadn't thought about it. I certainly believe it's true, but like there's nothing inherently like immoral about selfishness. In a lot of ways, we have to be selfish with certain things and I think we just like you know like when you think about like just from a personal perspective of like you have to put yourself first like nobody else is going to do that like that is a selfish thing you have to do but in the end it's not negative it's just something that like you like would not be able to like sustain a life if you were not putting yourself first so I think yeah I like the word self I like the phrase self-interested better than selfish mm-hmm. it almost sounds like selfish it just has it has such a negative connotation and and it, this is it's the weird thing with language where we like we use it and we it's so contextual that we use it 
so often in a negative connotation that selfish just feels like it, ha- it bears so much of this negative weight. Um, so, yes, I think we are naturally self-interested, but at what degree can you be self-interested, right? So, like, you can be self-interested for yourself, just purely for yourself. Then you can be self-interested and take care of your family. And then you can be self-interested and take care of, like, your community and then your city and your country and then your humanity. You're self-interested, like, as as a someone who's part of humanity. So I like that we, we're separating moral and... To kind of dig into something Akeem said uh, a couple minutes ago um, uh, regarding the nature in which it could be selfless to, or maybe other, maybe we could say other interested um, to to have kids. Um, I think it's likely self interested to plan on having children um, because for the reasons we already talked about, whether it's like an extension of the self, or you know you want to replicate. You know, da 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 da. Um, but like a lot of pregnancies are unplanned um, and carry the term. I mean, speaking as the oldest of six unplanned pregnancies in my family, um, uh, we, uh, not a single one of us was planned. And um, so I think, you know, it's not like my parents were like setting out, like, we're going to create little mini us's who are going to carry our legacy forward. Um, There's like, oops. Um, I guess we'll raise these kids now. <laughs> and, um, and that was pretty selfless of them, I think. And, you know, I guess I'm glad they did it. <laughs> okay, but six times on accident, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no, no, six times on accident, because there were some, some cords cut after that sixth one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, but I guess, but even still in like this scenario, it, it depends on, it, it just depends on like, uh, why they decided, well, I guess we'll raise these kids. Like, they didn't have to do that. But it was like, I guess that sounds like fun. Or I'm going to get some satisfaction out of out of this job. You know what I mean? Like, there's still, I feel like there's really no instance in which someone does it and they don't think this is going to improve my life or give me meaning or make me a better person or whatever. Well, so, I mean, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, um, but, like, there are people, like, for instance, I've talked to my mom about this, I guess in part because I'm the oldest, and when she found out she was pregnant, she thought about terminating the pregnancy, but I think she had a, at least slight sort of, like, moral aversion to that. Um, and so it was less that like, she really wanted to be a mom and she thought it'd be like a fun, good time to be a mom. And it's like, she thought it was like the right thing to do given this accidental situation she found herself in, which I think makes it more selfless still. I mean, not, not saying that like wanting to be a good person isn't selfish, I guess. Um, um, I don't know that it's necessarily rooted in selfishness in all scenarios. There's probably some gendered perspective of that, right? Like there's some level of selflessness for women to put through the agony of childbirth and like everything that leads up to it and follows it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know where the balance is. I also like, it just made me think like fundamentally, what is the like, how do you like measure this? Like, morality like is this like the conglomeration of a series of decisions that are morally neutral and morally good and bad or is it just like somehow you land upon this is 
like a, a moral decision or maybe it's I mean I don't know maybe it's irrelevant in this one like but I don't know what the like I don't, yeah I guess it's like it's hard to measure like whether or not like having a child is both like self-interested and or like if we agree that it's self-interested is it like ever morally neutral so I stepped away and for the first like mean? two minutes of this conversation but what is the argument that it is selfish uh, I guess, I guess at least my default like... go ahead go ahead I was going to say my default is that it's selfless given how much of a cost there is to being a parent. I feel like if I were to have a child, it would be because I think life is somehow worth living and want to give that to another human being, even at great cost to myself. So I guess, you know, my moral intuition is that it's selfless and I'm wondering how we got to it. Well, it depends if your genetic code is worthy of being passed on. Sure, of course, of course. <laughs> Which, I mean, obviously, come on, Akib, come on. Right, so that's the first thing. No, but in all seriousness, I would say, I think there are instances where it can be very selfish to, to have a child, especially like if you're not equipped um, or so willing like, to even... Expound on that. What's an instance of that? Uh, you know, like... And, and this is hard because like I can't draw like a hard line of where it is because honestly, like nobody's ever ready to have a kid. And like my parents probably weren't ready to have me or my brother or my sister, but they had us and they did it and they figured it out. That's part of the fun um, and the struggle of, of, of parenting, I think. Um, I actually was talking to my dad about how he raised us yesterday and I was like, this is what you did wrong. And this is why I'm not going to do so like, um, I think the, I don't know. I don't know where it would be wrong to like do it. I just know it when I see it. Like, you should know that shit. Like, yeah, the Jacob you know? Ellis versus Ohio, that's a great Supreme Court case. Um, great reference there, Keith. Anyway, I... I don't know. Like I can certainly like Mike talked about earlier. Like if you have, if you you can have kids for the um and like child support checks or whatever um i don't know if you can raise kids in a meaningful way that is like truly immorally selfish um but you can certainly have kids in an immorally selfish way is there another example you have other than welfare checks um i, uh, I mean I, go ahead i'm sorry i i hopefully my internet uh my my connection doesn't cut out but um uh, for me, the reason I would say it is self-interested is, like, from um, an environmental, like, a resource scarcity perspective that, like, for me to think that raising a child sounds, like, basically fun or interesting or, like, I would get something or I would derive some amount of pleasure out of, out of having a child and knowing the consequences of that on the environment feels selfish to me, as well as the fact that, like, a child can't consent to being born nobody asked for this and I can't guarantee that my child will want to have been born or will enjoy their life they could be born in, with some sort of genetic issue that causes them to have a life suffering and, and that thought alone feels like a scary gamble to take or even if it's not something genetic even if they just are a kind of person who doesn't love that they were born mm. uh, it just feels like kind of unfair to subject someone to life if they didn't 
I think. That's a tricky, that's an interesting, tricky way of talking about someone that doesn't exist is like, I, agree. I don't want to subject, you know? So like, I think that's like, it's, it's like um, paradoxical. Um, I, yeah. I see where your value is coming from in terms of like not wanting to have kids because of the environment. I do think there's a selfish way to raise children. Um, like if all you do is like try to live vicariously through them and like fill them with all the faults you had by like putting extreme amounts of pressure on them and I think modern psychologists are saying nowadays, like, just listen, whatever you do, like, don't be anxious. Don't be super anxious and stressed out around your kids all the time. That's the biggest mistake parents make is they're just stressed out around their kids and children are very emotionally intuitive and they can feel that their parents are are stressed out all the time. I had a great childhood. My parents were immigrants from, from Pakistan and they were always stressed out about like surviving in America when they didn't need to be because they came from a survival situation. Um, and I remember feeling that and it was very palpable as a kid. I'm not complaining about my childhood guys. I had a great childhood. Um, but just as an example, um, so I think, I think you can be, um, unself-aware and like raise your kids, like in a kind of arrogant way, but I, I, yeah, I still maintain that generally it's, I think it's, it's, it's good. I think it's good to have kids. Um, and like Ben said, I think it's primarily selfless. And I think you can mess it up um, by being a terrible person. And then there's like the little mistakes you can make, but there's degrees. Like you can like, you know, um, put unnecessary amounts of pressure on your kids versus like, you know, you leave your kid in the car in 90 degree weather and like you're a horrible parent and you're like neglectful and that can be immoral. But yeah, it's. Well, I guess. Right. Sorry, you can go, Katie. Uh, well, I'll just say this quickly that I think that everyone likes to think that they will be or they are a great parent, and everyone is blind to certain faults of theirs that they don't realize will impede uh, the growth of their children or make their children's lives harder. Or I, I think that everyone thinks, well, I would be a good parent and I would do it right and I would take really good care of them and they would feel bad you know what I mean and so I guess my issue with it is that uh, yeah, I, I mean I think it probably would but I guess that every parent like everybody is perfect and everybody has some kind of like flaws that they're going to project onto their children or cause them to deal with and that the fact that you can't be a perfect parent and you will you will inflict suffering on your child to some extent, greater or lesser. That also feels a little bit uh, self-interested to me that you will you will bring this thing into the world to enjoy it and to and to get whatever satisfaction you get out of it, and you will cause it to suffer, regardless of how good of a parent you think you are. If but I you also chime in on that. Yeah, Katie, I think you're, you're just looking at one side of the coin there. Like, that's true. That's absolutely true. There's no arguing that. Um, but, like, you will also, know, like, whether you like it or not, like, cause joy for this child. And, like, like there's – this is, I guess, maybe a problem I've had with certain branches of, like, philosophy writ large is the idea that, like, the world is suffering. Um, like, and that's true. But, like, it's also – I think almost equally like good. I, I don't know. Like, and granted, I'm, I'm a white man. I don't know. I got a lot of privilege here, but like, uh, <laughs> like it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Like, 
Um, and it's not all good, like on purpose. Some of it's good by accident and just by happenstance. And like, <laughs> um, it's, I don't know. It seems like, yes, they're suffering. And yes, you'll do, you'll make mistakes and you'll cause your kids to suffer. But like, you're going to make them happy too. <laughs> and yeah. Like, and I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll likely create a productive member of society. Like, you can think about it like that too. Like, you're producing a productive, functioning member of society. Um, well, also, guys, like, helpless to have you children guys, so they can pay for my social security when I get older. That's a good point. That too. There you go. <laughs> no, but also, guys, like, you don't have to qualify everything with I'm a white man. Like, I don't care that you're a white man, Michael. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm a white man. Like, we're all white men here, right, Katie? <laughs> Amen. Um, no, I, I, I guess, well, it's kind of funny because I said my, my little question earlier and then I was like, that was a stupid question to introduce myself with. But then here it comes up again, which is that like, should I just be avoiding uh, adding suffering into the world at all costs? Or should I just say like, F it, like the world can be awesome and horrible and it's better to experience both. Like, I guess I come from the mindset that like, lessening any suffering in the world sometimes sometimes i come from this mindset that lessening suffering at all costs throughout the world in myself in others whatever in animals is the is the ideal thing to strive for so if i can do that even by lessening the happiness sometimes i think that might be right other times i other times i don't so that's again my main question Yeah, so well, I, this is, it's a good question. It's, uh, it reminds me a lot, uh, especially this line of argument is fundamentally the discussion between um, Ivan and Alyusha in Brothers Karamazov, where Ivan says that you can't justify existence because there is the suffering of innocent children. And the fact that a single innocent child suffers is itself completely unjustifiable. And that is a completely like rational and coherent argument. But on the other hand, like that, the the extension of that is like if Thanos hadn't stopped at half, if he killed everybody, he would be the ultimate good being if that were true. To cease the ex- the existence of everything, to stop everything, would be like the ultimate good. And that seems just completely backwards. Um, and I, I don't think that there really is a good rational argument against that. And I also don't know if I buy Mike's that the world is necessarily better than it is worse, or like life is better than it is worse. <laughs> but I don't know that it's uh, better. Uh, I, I would yeah. I would not make that claim that it's better than it is bad. I would yeah. just push back against the claim that it's mostly bad. That is what I would push back. Well, that seems like, like the same thing. That. that is the same thing. No, like, I mean, I, it's not mostly it's likely, bad. It's at least as good. At least as good I could take. I could take at least as good. All right. Uh, that depends on like, such it, a... It's literally infinitesimal I, difference. <laughs> but I think, no, because I think the bigger difference lies really in the individual and their perspective. Um, like, you can choose to focus on the negative or the positive. You're going to likely experience both in... I think probably close to equal measure or whatever. Um, but like the way you experience those are just going to depend on your perspective. And I don't know. Yeah, I guess the way you would direct your attentions. Right. I, I just want to, I just want to clarify because I feel like I sound all the time. Like I think that my life is constant suffering, which I don't, I actually love <laughs> the world and being alive. Most of the time I really enjoy even the smallest, aspects of that 
But I think uh, another thing is that three times a day, every day I do. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I lost her. I heard one of the three times a day, every day I do. <laughs> Transcendental meditation. Back on my back on my ethical veganism shit. I'm sorry, it's come up a lot. It's, I've just been thinking about it a lot, reading about it. That's why it it'll it'll fade, it'll pass. But uh, no, Katie, what I do you do three times a day every day? I eat. Oh, eat. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, did you guys? Not, oh, I thought you guys were like, oh, the fucking vegan. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, we couldn't hear you. <laughs> No, we we, yeah. we got we got teased by your by your signal as you said three times a day every day. I oh, no. <laughs> oh, I said I'm so sorry. I said three times a day every day. I think about the suffering of other beings. Mm. Well, try thinking about the pleasure of other beings three times a day every day. <laughs> yeah, I should. I should. I should. I should balance it out and like look up just like a, a video of like a somebody's dog or something. One thing I like to do, I go to coffee shops a lot to read, and it's, like, so fun to sit outside and just, like, watch other people go out their day and get their coffee and sit and have a dumb little conversation or something. It's, like, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. No, again, like, again, that's, that's my point is that I, I totally agree, and I do love that. But I do have to – I enjoy myself in my life. But, but, damn, there is a lot of suffering in the world. A quick aside before we before we continue this conversation, I just want to. I noticed, and I think it's very funny that in like one sentence, Logan's referenced both Brothers Karamazov and Thanos from like Marvel <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> this is a culture. We are truly the modern philosophers. <laughs> So, um, where do we land on this? Do we have we reached any kind of a consensus, or we just decided that it's not necessarily good or bad, and also not necessarily selfish or selfless? Like, if that counts as a consensus, then I guess <laughs> <laughs> we're back to it's a personal decision. <laughs> and, um, I will say. I don't even remember the arguments that really make me feel this way, but I do feel a little less strongly that it's as selfish as I thought when I entered this conversation. So that feels like a positive. I feel a little bit more like, okay, not so bad. Yeah, I would also like to take a stab at the ecological argument because I, I think that's just baloney. Because, um, like, 200 years, 200 years ago, they thought that it would all end in like 50 years because of overpopulation. And 50 years ago, I just read an article in The Economist about this. Like there's a bunch of people who got together and ran some mathematical models. And it's like, oh, it's going to, it's going to be over in like 30 years overpopulation. And yet like mostly because we have more people coming up with good ideas, like the capacity for people to sustain more people just keeps going up. Um, so I, I kind of think that more people might, even from an ecological perspective, be good because we have, better ideas to have greener technologies and run things more efficiently. Yeah, I, I agree, Logan. As someone coming from the renewable world right now, um, there's a lot of, like, hope. Not hope, not just hope. There's, like, actual like, technology that will, like, um, really help sustain um, a large population. But what's happening now is, like, countries like China, which are experiencing, like, the reverse population pyramid, are looking at um, 
a shrinking population, like forecasting a shrinking population in like the next mm. 50 to 100 years. And they're having like, they're sanctioning national holidays so that people will go out and have dates and discuss abortion. Um, I'm sure <laughs> that's the last part. But obviously, that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, that's also assuming that like endless growth, like population wise and economically is important and that like humans are the most important thing to sustain. And like, for me, I think that's where the ecological argument becomes like extra complicated because at the end of the day, like for me and maybe Katie feels similarly that like humans for me are not like the most important thing um, on the planet. And like, I could kind of care less if we continue living forever like I, I would rather have some sort of like neutral option where like things sustain and we don't necessarily have to be part of it. But I think, yeah, all of these like arguments are based on the fact that like, it sounds like there's some level of consensus that like it is important to continue to sustain the human population and that like in having children, it is, therefore selfless because it is important to continue to sustain and then like on the level of like developing new technology and and all of that sort of thing like that's also assuming that like on a per and that's not i'm not saying this any of this is bad i'm just thinking out loud but like that's also just assuming that like potentially my kid could be the one that is going to develop some major technology and that is also self-interested in terms of like if I have an interest in the population continuing to persist and also like in the fact that I think that my genes could produce somebody who like has some supremely beneficial, like, <laughs> I don't know, uh, impact on the world. Well, it's not even necessarily that you I might produce some, like, some wounder kid who's going to, you know, the savior of <laughs> the like, sheer numbers is like, you know, like your, your, your kids will contribute to a society which writ large improves the situation. I mean, it at least has been kind of for, for people and hopefully moving forward will for yeah. the environment. I mean, we kind of for the last few hundred years it took a pretty big hit to the environment, I guess, since like the Industrial Revolution. But <laughs> it does seem like we're starting to move in the right direction there. Um, I would like to go on record to say that I believe in Jameson genetics enough that you could potentially be in, in the lineage of producing a wonder gen, just to say. <laughs> I believe in that. I don't know about you. But also, I, I fully agree with exactly everything you just said. I think humans are the most important thing because, um, like, there wouldn't be a consideration of what the most important thing is without a human saying, well, see what I, it's like, it's almost like useless you to can't think say that you don't not. know that like rabbits don't have a superior metaphysics to us. You just well, no, everything in biology <laughs> tells us that they, that they don't. You Even if they a did. But that's like based on a human rabbit. mechanism, right? Like, like that, that's based on like our human metrics that we've decided like that what matters is our level of sentience and our level of like development. Like just like all of the ways that we measure like what matters in biology and whatever like at the end of the day the rabbits are around just like we are like who's to yeah. say that our form of right. society if you can find rabbit society as a society like matter more than that down? yeah well 
You don't even need to accept that people are the best thing in order to accept that like making more people might be good because like your like your child might be the next like Peter Singer or Siddhartha Gautama and like we think about animals and other life differently because they're around or they might be the person who makes like lab grown meat cheaper and tastier than regular meat and then there would just be no more farm raising and like you would you would solve this ethical issue way more easily way more easily than getting a lot of hard-nosed you know, people to change their habits. Um, and in the meantime, it's probably good to change your habits, but like, that's, I feel like that's how um, this will ultimately, like we'll get past this issue is through figuring it out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know like, if that's strictly an yeah. argument though for having kids as much as it is trying to change people's opinions. Or like I could go, they, they say it costs $250,000 to raise a child approximately. I could go take all that money and instead put it into funding for how to make better fake meat. And it seems like that would be a more direct way to solve the problem than just fingers crossed hoping my child is the one who has that breakthrough. Yeah, you, you having a child is a bad way to solve any particular problem, but having a child is just introducing another problem solver into the world with a lot of problems. So you don't know what they're saying. I think, I think the hope shouldn't be that like my kid is the one in a million who cracks the cure to cancer like i think instead like your kid whether or not like they're gonna form a piece of this society that will eventually do this thing like even if they're the one who's i don't know fucking sweeping the floors at mit while they're back in the labs cracking like someone's got to sweep the floors so that they can spend the time curing cancer um and so like you don't need for them to like hope that they're uh this like you know Wonderkind, like they can. My son will be, be a excellent. regular person, <laughs> yeah, and, and be a contributing <laughs> member who helps society. I'm only gonna have girls. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Mike, that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. But it, we need. Uh, there needs to be a million kids for there to be that one in a million kid who figures it out, and then everybody else plays their own role. Yes, and if we did have a metric to measure, like. If the rabbits did have a metric to measure, you know, uh, things, they might. I'd be I'd be open to it, Kira, but they don't. <laughs> so why does measuring have to be like? What are we measuring here? Like that's what I mean. Is this is all just the concept? Utils. We're so measuring like, utils. We're, just... we're measuring utils. All right, utils <laughs> of happiness. <laughs> so I think with that question. It's not like a one or the other. Like, I don't think you have to say, like, humans are the be-all, end-all, most important thing, and everything else can, we can grind their bones for our bread. Like, um, <laughs> I don't know if, like, uh, we need to say that, like, like in the name of progress, nothing else matters. Um, but uh, you also, like, can say that, like, I think if it comes down to it, I'd value a human life over probably almost any other individual animal life or may likely even over a significant group of animals. Um, but I still can value those animals' lives and like the ecology writ large um, and say that they have real meaningful value um, that we can't just like, we shouldn't just stomp all over in the name of our progress. Um, I think Tiger King would disagree with you there, Michael, but... <laughs> But I don't know. It's, I, I guess just, yeah, just, I was just trying to say, I feel like we're sort of back in this false dichotomy of like, well, either humans are the one thing that matters or 
we matter not at all or like <laughs> equally with everything else. And I don't know that that's, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think it's fair to say that I value humans more, um, but that also doesn't necessarily mean I'm completely disregarding the value of, of the rest of the ecology. Well, I think that, no, I just think that like a lot of these, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I just think that a lot of the arguments about why to have children, maybe that's not even really what we're talking about why to have children but like it seems like a lot of people are on in favor of like having children because the like underlying thing is that like having children is something that will net positive and that is I think based on this idea that like I'm not saying that I think any of you guys think that like nothing else matters but like it is I think based on this like idea which like makes sense right like I think just like generally speaking it probably is like understandable that like we as a species like look out for each other in a way that we don't look out for like bunnies and probably like rabbits have a different level of connection together than they do for any other species, right? But I, I do think that that is like just fundamental to a lot of the arguments about like why to do things and, you know, and at the end of the day to even like units of happiness, <laughs> not to like go back to this, but like maybe that's like human's problem is like we're always trying to like figure out how to be happier and like rabbits don't ever think about that like maybe maybe they're better off because they're not worried about like well then maybe we should reproduce not. like, like rabbits life what matters <laughs> <laughs> well then jake would be definitely right <laughs> i would say uh we've we've been talking about children don't have just one child that's immoral You've seen those people? Is anyone an only child here? You've <laughs> <laughs> seen those people? It's true that Ian Orange had a lot of days. I'm aiming for somewhere between 8 to 12. I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> like enough, enough for a, a soccer team. Makes sense, I think, yeah. Can I say one more thing about animals? Uh, well, uh, we lost her. What a tease. Katie, Katie's service is excellent at the timing here um, <laughs> on when it cuts out. Uh, <laughs> all right, it looks like you're back with us now. We heard, we heard can I say one more thing for Am animals and then it cut out? Uh, oh, maybe not. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I think you're back. Um, I, okay, I'll, all I was saying was I, I'm on board with everything that Kira has said so far. Um, and I think that, like, our bias to protect humans and to think that they doesn't exist outside of us and and so that's why I feel like I agree with Kira like it we're just like we're not we are absolutely not any more important than any other being on any other group of beings or type of beings on earth and I think that like yes it's natural for us because of our instincts to protect other human beings to value them because they are like ourselves that like also is part of this like self-interested thing protect and save humanity for the future it's self-interested just like on a larger scale because humans are like us they're just like that's why we value them so much but that's it and otherwise there is no reason to value it any more than like non-humanity i mean i think i value sentience and intelligence more not to say that like i i'm not sensitive to like humanity being cruel to other like animals but i do think like a lion in the wild if it was hungry would eat me and wouldn't think twice about it 
and like it would value its own species over other humans. Like I think different animals in, in nature and in the past have hunted each other to extinction based on environmental factors. Um, like most of the species that have existed on earth do not exist anymore um, because they didn't survive. They were outcompeted by other species or they just died out because of environmental factors. And so I think humanity is the only species that actively thinks about other species the way we do. Um, another reason why we're more Okay, Ron, you keep making claims about the consciousness of other animals on what I think is non-existent <laughs> data. Two, <laughs> two more broadly, <laughs> um, uh, I think, yeah, to more or less agree with the cave on the rest of it, that uh, uh, we see the world, um, we can't separate our intuition that humans are more important than other animals from our experience of the world. And so from a Kantian perspective, since that's a, an intuition we bring to the world, we can't actually make a judgment on its validity because uh, we can't help but see it any other way. So right. it may or may not be more important than other animals, but we can't help but see it any other way. And there's really no way of knowing or evaluating that argument. I would like to maybe call that into question by putting okay. to a slightly different subject. It's related. Um, but no. the idea that um, I guess if there is, I guess the question is, is there a moral grounds to show preference for those who are like you or those who are close to you? And we can extend that to the human species writ large, but, um, we could also say like, like, do I have a good reason to go and buy my family dinner tonight, um, as more of a reason to buy my family dinner tonight or my friends and roommates or whatever, than like the neighbors? Um, or then, like, a guy who lives under the bridge down the street, or, like, do I have, am I morally justified in putting myself and my, the people around me first over those others? And then we can expand that to the, if, if we want to say yes, then you could maybe expand that to the human species and putting them over these other animal species. Um, well, but but I feel saying, like it's moral neutrality. Like, I don't think you're like morally better for buying dinner for people like that. I mean, that you're like closer to fundamentally. Like, you, you one way or another, have bought food for some other being and like in doing so shown care for someone and like I don't I don't I think it's like sure you may be more inclined to do that for people that you are closer to or like have some personal relationship to and I think that's just the psychology of it like we just care more about things that are like immediately in front of us and like can actually conceptualize but I don't think it's like a moral delineation in terms of that decision for me at least well, to attack Mike's argument from another perspective, you're, Mike, you're kind of saying that similarity is the thing that keeps a family together or that, that if there is a moral requirement to the family, you're saying that it's just proximity that creates that. I think that there's actually an agreement implicit in the nature of a family and you could be very dissimilar people and that still hold. Um, as far as, although, 
so Kira to the um, and Adam Smith talks about he, he imagines like because he, he's uh, arguing against stoicism in this case and he's like he imagines like a perfectly stoic father who's like equally sad when his son died versus anyone else on earth dies and shows exactly the same amount of emotion um, and that being not that much um, it seems hard to imagine that that was a good father. It seems like that person has probably failed in some important capacity. Would you disagree with that? Uh, sure, but I don't think to the extent that, like, necessarily it's, like, just this, like, relation of, like, I mean, family relations are hard. I do think, that, like, to some extent, like, we develop real, really, like, family... Family is obviously family biologically, but I think family is also much broader than some biological conception of it. And so, like, to assume that someone is obligated to mourn for a child or any family member, for that matter, is to assume that, like, there is some level of closeness there. And I think that that comes from, like, a much higher level of, like, psychological complexity of, like, shared behaviors and, like, assumptions of, like an equal of some sort relationship where you've both gained and like just felt some level of connection more broadly so but I don't really know how to answer that I guess like I don't think it's like I think probably there's like some like depravity of like if you have a real relationship with someone and you cannot feel like more sad than you do about anyone else then then maybe that's like I don't, yeah, maybe that's, like, some, like, emotional failure of, like, you just, like, don't have the, like, scope of emotion to, like, really process that, but I, I don't, yeah, I think it's, like, more connected to, like, what is the broader context of, like, what your relationship looks like, and, like, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's where my brain went. Because I agree with Mike, there is a duty to the family. Yeah, I know, yeah. So I think I think particularly with family, it's it's that's that's the part the easier example. There's sort of a built in responsibility to one another. Um that's just sure. part but of I don't think that's like inherent to the family unit. I think that's like relationship driven. Like of course you're gonna feel like mm -hmm. I don't and I guess again, like I don't feel like there's like a moral portion of it other than like that theoretically with your family because they are in front of you if you see them suffering you should feel more deeply because you have seen a broader scope of like actually what's going on whereas the rest of the world you may or may not know the fuller context and therefore maybe don't have as high of a moral duty to like have the depth of care that you have for for people that you like really know the full story about Oh, I do think that like your your empathy is like limited in a lot of ways, like your to your bandwidth. So you can you can um, you can only focus on what's in front of you, and you can try to empathize with like the suffering of the world, but it's too overwhelming for you to be able to take on in a meaningful way. Um, and so, like the impact that you can have on the people around you and your community, and like the people that you interact with on a day to day basis. And the empathy that you can exercise in that regard, I think, is is probably the most important. Um, after that, like it's it becomes more and more difficult to 
to build um, a meaningful level of empathy for the suffering of people that are like for a multitude of people that are like um, so far removed from you because because there's just too much of it. Um, you you couldn't possibly like process it. Yeah. So so you're saying that you effectively can't do um you can't do I like watching people enough. suffer. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what I'm what I'm saying is I think it starts with like you building look I think it starts with you building a healthy level of empathy for those that are around you, which I think oftentimes that's even hard in like the kind of society we live in now um, because we tend to live in cities in large groups among large groups of people who we, we don't interact with meaningfully um, and we pass them. So we're, we're, we're kind of desensitized um, because we don't live in like small tribes or communities anymore. Um, so I don't really know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um. I was going to say, I, I can buy the argument that maybe the reason why we feel a greater obligation to those we're closer to is that um, we, because we sort of know them better, we're able to better understand the way their suffering impacts that person. Um, whereas, like, if I'm just imagining an abstract uh, hungry person, like, in another country somewhere... Like, I can't imagine that, but not nearly so well as I can imagine, like, someone I know personally suffering. Um, and so that's maybe why it feels so much more real. Um, I guess the question then is, does that feeling of, of reality or of, of greater empathy lead to greater obligation to that person? Or are we equally... To help those we know and those we are strangers. So I think you've just like laid upon the like problem of the climate movement, and that has always been this like there's like lots of psychological studies that like indicate that the reason we don't take the climate crisis seriously and or like have not historically taken any action on it is that like there are not clear like in front of us like psychologically speaking we are more inclined to help things that a we can see so that has to be like in front of us so in the family argument right like people that we know or friends that we know like that gives us the proximity and then it has to show like real and present danger and like that's like the issue with the climate movement is that like it's this like big like kind of like hypothetical but real like models of what is happening and what could happen and where things could go if we do x y and z but there's nothing that's really like immediately like how has like clear causation and that kind of thing that we can point to and say like okay sure like if you are not educated right like sure okay like california california is on fire like so what is what does that have to tell me about like burning coal like that that doesn't tell me anything um, and so, yeah, so I think, like, it's not necessarily, like, an obligation. I don't think that's the right, like, term for, like, how you apply that to, like, personal relationships versus the rest of the world. But I think it's just this, like, psychological inclination. And I think it does go to uh, to what Akib was saying, like, about the fact that we only have a certain level of empathy that we can, like, extend on any given day or 
year or whatever. Like you cannot possibly care about everything all the time because then you will stunt yourself in your own life because <laughs> to become a nihilist, like <laughs> I don't, I think they're just our limits. And so you have to prioritize certain aspects of your life and of the like amount of empathy and giving that you can give and still sustain yourself. And therefore we choose the people that we know more about because we have this like psychological inclination that like, if it's in front of us, we can see it. We can see some causes. We feel like we have more control about maybe what the outcomes are. We know like, if we know what's, what's happening, maybe we can figure out how to fix it. Whereas everything else is kind of this like big nebulous, what do I do? Like, I may know that there are people suffering everywhere, but (laughs) I may know that people are suffering everywhere, but, but what can I really do about it? Sorry. I like the word nebulous. That's good. Um, (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing. We're that way. Um, that we focus on what's in front of us. And I also think that we tend to be better at, um, this is not me saying this. I've heard this from a couple different sources. I just don't know where, um, but we're better at adapting than we are at um, preparing like human as humans um, because we're just so uh, we're so short-sighted as collective, like collectively we are so short-sighted um, and like that has its consequences um, but I, I like to be optimistic about us um, and our better nature. Empathy. Random aside, but here's our nation's capital. Hey. Ooh, what are you doing in D.C.? <laughs> I live here. Oh, very cool. I grew up in Fairfax. It's oh, okay. so like about 20 minutes away. Oh, yeah. Anyways, sorry. Um... I would I would say that um, I think empathy is a helpful guide because um, on the one hand, like from an extreme utilitarian view that is truly just uh, abducto absurdum or whatnot, but it's like you could imagine someone who has a family becomes utilitarian version of enlightened and realizes that his money will go much further in a third world country than in this one. And so decides not to feed his family or her family, their family anymore, but instead to give 100% of that money to some third world country. Um, And that seems objectively wrong. And I think empathy helps us prevent, helps prevent that sort of nonsense. Yeah, I think it also just like, I think, you know, in the most simple of, forms like we wouldn't make any progress at all if we didn't start somewhere and like if starting somewhere is like starting with the people that are close relationships I think we still have to like find ways to bridge the gap to like when we are faced with these long-sighted problems that like we are like if you said like ill-equipped to deal with like we have to find ways to bridge that gap but it's not like fundamentally wrong to start with like and even probably is like beneficial to start with the things that we can see and the people we can help. And that is often who's around us. Um, ben, as the group's token utilitarian, do you there agree with Logan's, with Logan's assessment that that, that person, this utilitarian sage who 
who sends all their money to some third world country is, is doing a wrong thing? Um, no, not necessarily. I think there are, this is obviously a spectrum problem of if you are starving your own children to go help someone else, that's obviously not great because you're just causing well, immediate harm. Those other children may also be starving if you're going to help. You may be, you may be helping a lot more of them. How could... Wait, what level of starving? That. Like, miss one meal or like, are they like... Like, maybe my kids over here starve to death, but I save a whole village in some third country, third world country. That's tough. Oh, Ben, no. <laughs> so this is one of those things that I, I'm not sure if it's a moral glitch that we are just rationalizing after the fact. Or like when Logan's saying, obviously, it's ridiculous. Is that just because we have some innate, potentially illogical urge to help our own children? And we are just working really hard to rationalize that as opposed to it actually makes objective moral sense. Okay, what if it's not your kid? What if it's like the neighbor's kid? You can save your one, your neighbor's one kid or a whole village in a third world country. I almost still think it's maybe better to help your neighbor's kid. Okay, make that case. I don't know that I can other than to say that um, because I know them so much better, their suffering feels so much more real to me. Whether I, like, even though I intellectually know it's not um, more real, um, it certainly presents and, and, like, the way I emotionally engage with it, it's more real. So that's why I would use the word moral, potentially moral glitch of does that actually make any sense or is this something you feel that you are working to rationalize? So on, on the other hand, Mike can be very sure that his help to the neighbor is real. He in like a in a real world scenario, he would only probably have only the faintest idea that he actually helped the village somewhere else. And there is a, a genuine possibility he was lied to and his money was stolen and just paid some middle manager in a, an NGO. Um, so on that sense, it actually is morally justifiable because you can be sure you're doing real benefit versus the uncertainty of potentially doing benefit. And what if my neighbor is lying to me and just takes any aid I give them and goes and does something else with it? That's still possible, but you're way more likely to know about it. Or there would be more evidence for you. You could Logan, what do you think about if instead you move to this village in the third world country? Well, then they and would become your, your neighbors. Here. So. Then they would be your neighbors. Right, that's yeah. a, right, so that's what I'm saying. So say, say you, well, or say, yeah, you abandon your starving neighbor to go and support this village in the third world country. You were saying that would be morally justified. That would actually be the superior thing to do. That might be. Yeah. That's an odd one, though. Mm. Is it still superior if you're abandoning your own family to go support no, the village over there? <laughs> no way. And is that because you have a real responsibility to your own family? That, that, that trumps the suffering of the village over there? That's my intuition. I don't know. And what, that's my how are we also. defining family? Is it direct dependence or is it? Yeah, we'll, we'll call it direct dependence, sure. How about we call it whatever you call your family is your family? <laughs> this is, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, this is one of those situations where I, I employ the fuck it factor. 
and stop thinking and just go <laughs> and just go. I'm yeah, my family is the most important thing, and I stop kind of like because I wouldn't want I yeah I don't know. That strikes that's, me that's as like the most anti philosophy club thing you could have. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I said I do it sometimes. Which, like, <laughs> I do the, I do the same thing, but it's you know like it's it's hard to if you're constantly lost in the um if you're constantly thinking about something then it sometimes it's hard to do anything um sure sometimes you have to sometimes you have to arrest thought so that you can you can enact something in reality and and then sometimes the philosophy comes after you've done the act and there's reflection there's time there's like a time for reflection on that but I think sometimes it's useful. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Akeem's like, look, sometimes a an oppressive fascist regime just springs up. You just kind of have to go with it, and then after the fact, you say, "Hey, look, I was just following orders." Okay. After the fact, the philosophy came. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Listen, I didn't say I was a good person. Okay. <laughs> um, I do got to go. So maybe we have reached. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, been a long time here. This is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good job, good everybody. One. This is a Three good years. one, guys. Like good this. one. Akeem, if you don't mind, um, post the name of that uh, that philosopher you mentioned beginning in the book in the group meet. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'll post this though. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, also, it, it appears backwards, doesn't it? Um, also, if you don't mind, please post uh, uh, Jake's entire argument against abortion. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not kidding. He sent me like he sent it to me. So I'm also I not will. kidding. I would very much like to see that. Oh, okay. If he would be willing to share it. Oh yeah, Jake will. Jake will get a big laugh out of this. Well, no, he'll actually be really interested in listening. You gotta ask to this. him when I, I, mean, I will also get a big laugh with, out of this. With with brand new potential romantic partners that he doesn't. Kira, know uh, so Kira, I, and Katie. I'll, I'll give. With us. I'll make sure to give him uh, Kira's number and Katie's too. So. Yeah, definitely pass it along. If you took one thing out of this, it was that Jake and I need a need a link immediately. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Sounds well, good. good. Good talk, guys. Good talk. And that's all for our first meeting. Thank you all for listening.